Welcome to Sulphur Springs Baptist Church Sermon Audio. For more information, please visit our website at sulphurspringsbc.com. It was good to be back around family, my wife's family. It was good to be back around uh, my former pastor, be able to sit down with him and talk for a little bit. And I really struggled with where God was leading me. Um, beginning of the week, Lucas asked me on Tuesday when we left, he said, hey, do you know what you're preaching? I said, I think I know, but I'm going to be busy, and I don't really know exactly. And, and I had another message that I shoved in the back of my Bible that I've preached before, and you know, I sort of had that in case I needed to fall back on it. And I knew I could preach, and I knew it would be easy. But when I got back, and the whole, the whole 14, 15-hour drive last night coming back to North Carolina, God kept bringing me back to this passage. And so I don't know why. I haven't fully prepared it the way I want to the way I think it should be done, but I'm going to be talking this morning on planting and harvesting. And the Bible in Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 10 is where we're going to read. <clears throat> and uh, hopefully our internet and commuter work. I just sent something to the guys. That's why I was on my phone down here. Uh, the Lord just hit me with something. So let's hope it works out. If not, it will be, we'll get by. But I want you guys to see something as well near the end of this. So Galatians chapter 6, if you found your place, we're going to stand and read verses 7 through 10. And the Bible says this, after I get some water. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap, if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially them unto them who are of the household of faith. Father, I just want to come and pray a blessing over this word. Lord, give me the, the voice to speak this morning. Lord, give me the clarity of thought as I open your word and as I speak the, the thoughts that you've given me. We just thank you for what you've done in your name we pray. Amen. A lot of times as we go through these moments in life, we begin to be deceived into thinking one thing or another. And the Bible says, do not be deceived. God will not be mocked. During the hard times of life, don't be deceived. During the painful times of life, do not be deceived. During the difficult times of life, please do not be deceived. Things do not happen in our life out of random order or chaos. God is a God of order. God is a God of perfection. And nothing is done out of chaos. Nothing takes God by surprise. God isn't standing up in heaven and saying, I wonder what James is going to say right now. Is he going to embarrass me? Is he going to do something wrong? I may embarrass someone, I don't know. But God already knows. God is not deceived, he is not mocked, and God says that things happen out of ultimately a natural flow of order that happens in our life. There's choices that we make in life. Last week I spoke on the man that was blind. I gave that same lesson the very next day to Mount Hermon's youth. They asked me to come and speak. And 
So I went and I preached that same message. And, and I don't know if I said that there, if I said that here, but I said that that man, when God touched his eyes with clay, he then had a choice to make. Was he going to go wash his eyes clean so he could see? Or was he going to keep the mud on his eyes for the rest of his life? And you and I this morning have a choice to make in life. We are given a set of circumstances and choices in our life. And God says that we will reap what we sow. Whatever we plant in our life, we will then harvest it at another time. There are some farmers in here. I'm not a big green thumb guy. I don't farm. I would like to have some, some farming animals and some crops when we get into our new house. Uh, but that's months down the road. But there are some laws of harvesting. The Bible talks about it, and we're going to look at them a little bit. If you're a farmer or you deal with a lot of these areas, you're going to know, and these are going to sound familiar because these aren't new. These are things that we see in our life. I'm actually in the middle of preparing this message. There's a second part. If I get to preach it one day, we will. Um, I've written down seven different laws. But I only had time to prepare three, and so we're going to go through the three right now. And the first one is this. We harvest only what we plant. We harvest only what we plant. If you are going to go out and plant something, you name it, soybeans, whatever, you are going to harvest what you plant. I was listening to a podcast on the way home. I caught up on a lot of my podcasts, and the pastor got up and was talking about a mustard seed. And how a mustard seed is the smallest seed out there, but yet it grows to almost 15 foot in height and width. And it grows so big that birds are able to make nests inside of that. You don't plant a mustard seed and expect to get an apple tree. Okay, it's common sense on that, okay? You don't go to the store and say, hey, I'm at Lowe's, I need to buy some type of rose bush. And you pick out the plant that says rose bush and you go home and say, man, I really, really hope I get an apple tree out of this. It doesn't happen. The laws of nature will not let it happen. And so you will harvest what you plant. It says here there's circumstances. Circumstances, I define it like this. Circumstances are events beyond your control. They're resulting from forces or influences that you had no cause or effect to. For instance, I cannot cause it to rain outside. Okay? I can't go outside and say, you know what, I want it to rain right now. Rain's not going to come. In my office at 810, I didn't sit there and say, you know what, I think it'd be really cool if an earthquake happened. And then boom, I started swaying in my chair. Started getting a little nervous. I didn't know if I came up the stairs too quickly and my head was spinning. I didn't know what was going on. Okay, I, didn't, I couldn't have caused that. That was a circumstance that was outside of my control. The Bible says there are circumstances outside of our control. If I go and I do something wrong, I rob a bank, I go out and I shoot someone, okay? The effects that I do are going to have an effect on my wife and my kids. They had no control over what I did. They are just a result of my decisions. So we have to ask ourselves, what are the circumstances that are out of our control? And then ultimately... We get to the second definition of consequences. Our consequences result wholly or in part of my choices. The things I've done, the things I've said, the places that I go, the priorities that I have pursued, 
the things that I have neglected in my life, those are the results of what I have chosen. Those are the consequences. There's different consequences for things that we do. If I decide not to study, as Lucas said, all of a sudden there's consequences of bad grades. If I decide to go two years without changing the oil in my vehicle, because it's my choice, there's going to be a consequence, right? What's going to happen? David Tao, what's going to happen? Okay, your motor's going to blow. Bad things are going to happen because you made a choice to not do the right thing. And we have to ask ourselves, what are we planting in our life? What are we sowing, as the Bible says? In 2 Corinthians 9, 6, it says, The point is this, whatever sows, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. If you sow one ear of corn, one kernel of corn, you're going to get, I think they say, between two and three ears of corn. So if you think you can live off two or three ears of corn, sow one corn kernel. Okay, if you need more than that, you're going to have to plan for those things. And so in our life, we ask you, what are you sowing? And are you sowing what God wants us to? And are we sowing enough? Proverbs 12, 1 says, whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows a worthless pursuit lacks wisdom. What are we doing with our life? What are we sowing into? What are we pouring our life into? And God says when we pour into things, and we're going to get this next, we harvest the same kind that we've planted. Verse 8. Verse 8 says, For whoever soweth of the flesh shall reap of the flesh corruption. But he that soweth of the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. What is the flesh? We're a very simple definition down. I want it, and I want it now. That's the flesh. I won't fill in the blank, and I'm going to get it now. That's the flesh. I want an iPhone, so I'm going to go now and buy an iPhone. I want a relationship, so I'm going to go now and get a relationship. I want whatever it is, and so now I'm going to go out and I'm going to fulfill the fleshly desires of my life. What does the Bible say? If we sow unto the flesh, we will reap corruption. What is corruption? I wrote it down like this. Death now. That's corruption. There's an eternity later. But when we sow into corruption, you are destroying yourself right now. I pray for my sister often. Her name is Wendy. She's probably not watching this. Okay? She is what you would call an addict of drugs. She's a drug addict. And she spends every single penny of her money up her nose. She is destroying her body because of those drugs. She wants it and she wants it now, so she's going to do whatever she can to provide it now. When I got married nine years ago, she came to my wedding in Arkansas. And she came in and she was the sister that I remembered. She was normal looking. She was fine. 11 months later to the day, my older brother, which is four years older than me, got married in North Carolina. So me and my wife, we got on an airplane, we flew to North Carolina, we flew into Charlotte, he got married in Charlotte, I'm sitting there at the wedding, at the rehearsal, uh, and it was the wedding day, I'm sorry, it was a wedding day, and I'm sitting there 
on the pew because I was in the wedding. I was one of his groomsmen. And so we just got done and we're waiting for the ceremony to start. And I'm sitting there with my wife beside me and a woman comes up beside me and says, hey, James, how are you doing? And I look up and I tell you, if I'm lying, I'm dying right now, I did not recognize the woman that was saying hello to me. Because in, not, in 11 months' time, she had sown to the flesh. And I did not recognize my own sister in 11 months. If you are going to have the desire to sow to the flesh, the Bible says that the flesh will offer death. The flesh will offer corruption. But then he gives us awesome Awesome news. He says, but the one who sows to the Spirit will reap the Spirit. He will reap eternal life. Are we invested in the Spirit? Are we invested in the things that God says? These are the spiritual things in life. Good choices will lead to good things. Not many people that I know live their entire life doing good and end their life say, you know what, I wish I wouldn't have done those things. Because they look at their life and they say, I want to sow into the things that are good. When we want to reap of the Spirit and the Spirit everlasting, you will reap the same things you plant. If you want tobacco plant, you go and you plant tobacco. If you want the Spirit, you reap into the Spirit. And then the third thing, and then we'll get to really the gist of the whole message here at the very end. The, we harvest in a different season than we plant. This is hard for people to understand. Because we reap in a different season than when we plant. I don't know the season cycles. I don't know when you're supposed to plant cucumbers. I don't know when you're supposed to plant corn. There are people that get paid a lot of money that tell people when to do those things. And that's not my profession. And I'm not going to tell you when you're supposed to plant things because I'm going to ruin it if I do. I do know that you're supposed to plant like grass seed in the fall and in the spring, not in the summer, because it burns up things. I probably am wrong on that. I don't know. Um, but I do know that when I plant a grass seed, if I go out the next day, there's not grass in the ground. I do know that. And I know that when you plant corn in the morning, if you go out there that night, there's not going to be a corn stalk there. It will take time. And so I know by reading this, and even verse 9, it says, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap. And so in our life, there are things that we will reap later, good or bad. We've already talked about what we're planting. So what are we going to reap is ultimately what we're planting. And it will be in a later date. Psalms 9, 16 says this, The Lord has made himself known, and he has executed judgment. The wicked are snared in the work of his own hands. Proverbs 26, 27 probably gives the best illustration of this. It said, whoever digs a pit, you're going to fall in it. You're going to reap what you sow. Then it says, and a stone that you've pushed will come back onto him who starts it rolling. You're at the top of a hill. Imagine with me, I'm going to push a little stone off the top of a hill, and I'm pretty sure probably there's teenagers in here that have tried this, okay? I'm going to be faster than that stone. All of a sudden, you start running, 
You're like, yeah, I'm beating that stone. And all of a sudden, what happens? That stone comes and rolls over you. Because you started the stone and it didn't roll over you immediately, but eventually it did catch back up to you. The Bible says, be sure that your sins will find you out. Be sure that the things that you are doing, you will be made known. So we must sow with the understanding that we will reap it in a different time. Now we don't understand and we don't know when that time is. But we do know that verse 9 says, if we faint not, we will reap it. And then verse 10 says, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially those who have the household of faith. So I'm going to give us five words to consider when we're planting or when we're sowing. And then I'm going to go into three choices to make. And that's what we're going to be doing. And I probably won't spend more than about five minutes on this. But five words to consider when you're sowing for a harvest. The first thing that you must consider is this, forgiveness. Every single person in here is a sinner. We all do things that are wrong. I do things that are wrong. I lost my temper this week, believe it or not. I'm riding down the road. and I've got 12 teenagers behind me. And out of nowhere, you'll never believe it. A burrito hit me in the back of the head. And then my wife asks me this question. You ready? Why are you swerving down the road? I don't know. I just got hit the head with a burrito. (laughs) Okay, so there's some crazy things going on on the youth trip. I thought you ate burritos. Apparently, you used them for torpedoes. Hey, I, I didn't know that. I learned that this week. But you know what I did learn? That we have to be forgiveness. We have to be gracious. When you are forgiving to others, people are more likely to hear what you want to say, what you have to say. This statement, we've heard it for years. I may have even said it before. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And until you show forgiveness, they don't care what you have to say. Second thing I wrote down is this, love. Not only do we need to give forgiveness when we're planting and when we're sowing, we need to show love. We must love one another. The Bible says it like this. Jesus says that you will know that you are my disciple. Others will know that you're my disciple by the way you love. The the, the Pharisees came to Jesus and said, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, take everything in the Old Testament, all the laws, all 633 laws, all the rules, all the regulations, and hang it on these two things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second is like unto the first, to love your neighbor as yourself. Are we showing love? In the moment where we are in a pandemic, one, we're in a civil unrest with racial violence, with with people not liking one thing or another, One of our speakers this week, his name was YB. He was a rapper. Most rappers that get up, and he was a Christian rapper, by the way, not just like a a hip-hop rapper. And he got up, and he was a youth pastor at one point. And he began to do some rapping Christian songs, and he taught us some things. And that's not my style, okay? I don't really get much out of that. One, I don't understand it, okay? Just, I'm white, okay? (laughs) I'm really, really white, to be honest. 
And so I didn't really understand a lot of that. And most of the guys that, that get up and, 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 and do that style of music, when they get up and speak later, they normally fall flat. They're not that great of a speaker, just to be honest. And he got up and he began to open the word of God. And he began to speak and my heart was so moved during his message. And he said this, he gave an illustration. He said, I live in a pretty white neighborhood. He said, I've got two neighbors, both of them are named Tom. He said, in the middle of George Flynn, is that right? Did I say that name right? In the middle of the Flynn incident, he said, I realized that I didn't really know who my neighbor was. The Bible said to love my neighbor. And I didn't know him. He didn't know me. He knew that I didn't know how to plant trees. He was a really good gardener, and he had great trees around his house and great plants. And he said, I didn't really know all that. And he knew that my yard was horrible and his yard was nice. That's really all we knew of each other. He said, the Lord told me to write him a letter explaining who I was and how that one day I may need him. As a black man living in a white neighborhood. He said, it was hard. He said, I began writing and I, I wrote my letter and I put it on my desk and I stayed there for three days. He said, eventually I got enough courage based on his wife telling him to go and talk to him. He said, and I went to the side of his yard and I said, hey, Tom, I'm going to tell it just like he did. He said, Tom didn't listen. He said, Tom's old. He's like in his 50s. He said, hey, Tom, still didn't hear me. Hey, Tom. All of a sudden, Tom's like, yeah, 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 I'm right here. He said, Tom, I, I don't know you. You really don't know me, but I've got a letter for you. And I want you to know that I'm here for you, and I love you, and one day I may need you. He said, and I was shocked by the statement that he was about to make. He said, we both need each other. He said something I think, I can't remember exactly, my mind's fading right now. But he said this profound statement, and he said, I love you too, and he took it. And he said, this, this statement's the one I wrote down. He said, we are willing to love the ones that are around us when we know the worth of it. When we know that it's worth something, we will. He said, the next day, I'm leaving, and Tom goes, hey, YB, if you and your wife want to get away, I'll keep your kids. He said, I've got a toddler, I've got a four-year-old. He said, and anyone in their sane mind would not want to watch a toddler, but yet he knew the worth of it. He said, if you, you and your wife need to get away, let me watch your kids. He said a couple days later, hey, hey, if you need me to take care of your yard, I'll take care of it for you. Hey, if you need me to do this, all of a sudden, he said, my neighbor is investing in me because I invested in him. He said, I showed him love and now he's showing love back to me. Are we showing love? Third word, time. This is the most important thing in our life is time. It's not money. It's not our valuables. It's our time. You know why? we're not guaranteed tomorrow we're not guaranteed the next second my mind immediately this morning when I called my wife and she didn't pick up I began thinking did the world just shake did something happen time did my house just fall apart did my wife not pick up because the house wasn't there anymore my mind began to race because we are not guaranteed tomorrow the third thing our attitude How's our demeanor? When we're sowing seeds of grace, when we're sowing the gospel to other people, how is our forgiveness, our love, our time, our attitude? 
Are we showing love to them? Are we giving the attitude that's right? And then ultimately, are we sharing Christ? Are we showing Christ to other people? Because all those first four are great. A lost person can do those first four. They can give forgiveness. They can show love. They can have a good attitude. They can give their time. But a lost person can't give Christ. And in every moment of our life, are we sharing Christ? Maybe it's a five-second conversation. Maybe you're checking out at the grocery store, and the lady gives you a receipt, and you say, hey, have a great day. Did we share Christ in that moment? We could just use the word, you have a blessed day. Hey, God blessings upon your life today. And in that five seconds, you've shared Christ. You may have five minutes, and you're actually able to go through and talk about it. You may be blessed with a 25-minute conversation with a coworker, and you can begin to share and invest and show love. But if we're not doing it in the five-second opportunities, when the buggy guy comes and takes your buggy from your car and you say, hey, hope you have a blessed day. Anything I can pray for you about? All of a sudden, our life and our mindset has changed because of the thought of Christ investing in others. We've got to show that love. So as the musicians come, this week it, it rocked my world a little bit. Not because it's a youth conference and and I've been under great preaching. I, honestly, I've been under better preaching than what I heard this week, just to be honest. I've been under better music than I've heard this week. But what really rocked me was we had an awesome opportunity where Wednesday night there was a nursery, so the kids were in there. And that whole day, Wednesday, her mom kept the kids. And on Thursday, her mom kept the kids on Thursday, so we got to spend time with the teenagers. And then Thursday night, her aunt came and took the kids. And it was great. We were able to be in the service without the distraction of the kids. Well, then Friday, we got them back, and we went to the amusement park that morning. And then they were with us, and then that service was that night. I told Allie, I said, hey, they're not going to have nursery tonight. They didn't have any volunteers for the church. There was about 40 volunteers at the church helping make this conference happen. And you guys can start playing whenever you're ready. And I said, they're going to have to come with us. I said, it's going to be a little crazy. They're going to be singing. They're going to be doing some crazy stuff. I lost my voice. You can understand. But the moment that really got me was this right here. The three choices that we had to make today, and I already had this written down, is the first one is a choice to worship him. Guys, if you have that picture, this is what I saw when I decided to worship him with my kids. My daughter just first on my shoulders so I really couldn't see it she said mom I don't want to be on dad's shoulders anymore because he's sweating <laughs> I was like okay yeah I'm a, I'm a big guy I like to sweat so she walked up to one of our teenagers she said can I get on your shoulder so in the moment of this worship I pulled my phone out and I saw her with her hands raised she didn't know what it was about she didn't know that we were worshiping the one who saved her. But I saw a childlike faith where the disciples said, Give the kids away. Jesus doesn't want to see the kids. And Jesus stepped up and said, No, suffer the kids to come to me. I want them to worship me, I want them to love me. And then as the invitation was happening, and I'm praying with a couple of kids, I look up and, and Brody comes down and he's praying with a couple of the boys. 
And I began to see God's love in them. And he rocked my faith this week because of that. And I began to think, am I choosing to worship him the way my daughter and my son was? They're not saved. They don't know him. Am I showing that worship? Am I vulnerable like that? The second thing I wrote down was, are we choosing to walk with him? Not only are we choosing to worship him, are we choosing to show the action of walking? And the third thing, are we choosing to work for him? Are we choosing to work for him? That's our invitation. Ask yourself those three questions. Are we worshiping, are we walking, and are we working? Father, I pray that you'll have your way in this invitation. Whatever thing that you want to be done. I don't know why this message and you told me to preach it. I wasn't fully prepared to preach it. My illustrations didn't fall right in my mind. But God, whatever it is, we're to work today. Amen. Let's stand. The altars are open. Mark's going to sing. Do business as you see fit. Thank you for listening. Please remember to drop a rating and subscribe to get our latest audio.